Welcome to the Bacon Game Sports Pod. Your source for the latest on baseball, football, and whatever else he feels like talking about. Get ready. Here is your host, Jesse. Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Bacon Games Podcast. I'm here with my special guest, Greg. Uh, Greg, why don't you introduce yourself to my uh, loyal listeners? All right. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, yep. So I'm Greg. Uh, hail from the New England area. Uh, so I've been a New England sports fan uh, ever since I can remember. Uh, you know, growing up in right outside of the Boston area, uh, you know, spent a lot of time watching, you know, the Celtics and the Red Sox when I was growing up, uh, and then really started to fall in love with the Patriots, you know, right around when all of the fun stuff started happening with them. Uh, So, you know, I'm lucky enough to grow up in that area in a time where, you know, all of the sports were so fun to watch. And um, now it's going to be an interesting time to see how it kind of shifts from, you know, the, the Patriots and the Red Sox being the two teams that have been the most dominant to, you know, potentially the Celtics and the Bruins right now taking a little bit more of the forefront as the Patriots are reloading and the Red Sox have their their fun issues with cheating and whatever the hell they're doing <laughs> with trading away their best player. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big sports fan. Uh, I'm actually a, a soc- mostly a soccer person myself. Um, I coach soccer at the college level. I have a podcast about tactical ga- the tactical game within soccer. The, it's called the Patterns of Play podcast. Uh, and uh, that's basically me right now. <laughs> cool, uh, cool. But just ready for some sports to come back on. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm actually a Celtics fan too. I grew up in the New York City area, but um, my first game was a Celtics Nets game, and Paul Pierce dropped like 50 on the Nets, and I was like, "This guy's my favorite." So here I am, 20 <laughs> yeah. years later. Not regretting that. It's it's the most successful sports franchise I root for. So, um, there's that going for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, back then when Pierce was still playing, it was uh, the Pierce and the or the Celtics and the Nets matchups when like it oh, was yeah. Pierce and Jason Kidd and Richard Jefferson. Yeah, uh, those were always crazy. I miss Antoine Walker, too. Him and Antoine Walker were my favorite guys. Uh, the Walker Wiggle. <laughs> yeah, I love that group, dude. Huge fan. Um, and then the 2008 team, too. I love that was like the height of my basketball watching. Yeah, that was, was pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I wish they got the one the next year, too. Yes. Uh, so they yes. could at least have gotten two out of that group that they made. <laughs> but to get one is always you know special to see. And like I said, it's been great to see every single major team win <laughs> at least one yes. uh, in my lifetime. I don't know that feeling. <laughs> Not even close. Um, okay, yeah. So um, let's get let's get into it. I've I've asked all my guests since you know the the pandemic has happened. Um, do you think that there will be any issue with the NFL starting on time this year? Because I'm very curious to get lots of opinions on this. So my thought changes on this every day. Mm-hmm. Um, being in the sporting realm myself, it's kind of a, a big issue for you know my own livelihood of being a college soccer coach. Our season's in the fall. The fall is so up in the air right now that mm-hmm. like I'm constantly saying, all right, it's like we're going the right way. We're things are getting a little bit better, and then something new comes up, and it's like mm, probably not going to be starting here. Uh, so I always look at it in regards to, you know, can we get enough testing? Can we get enough, um, you know, 
support for the people that are involved because it's not just you go out and play there's just so many other people that they need to make these games operate at a you know a high functioning level so you know i want to say yes but at the same time realistically it's so hard to say and i don't know if Mm -hmm. if by august september we'll be seeing sports again yet i don't i really don't know um but I, i hope it will and i hope that you know, tomorrow or in the next week or two, you know, a magical cure has come around or something, (laughs) but, uh, you know, fingers crossed with everything, but it sounds, I've heard good things from, uh, you know, major league baseball might be able to come back in some way. So I think if another sport can do it like baseball or basketball, that's going to really help the NFL be able to get back in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, I feel like MLB is going to happen in the summer at some point. Um, probably no fans. I like um, I like the idea of restructuring the divisions too, so like they don't have to travel or like they can keep them all in like a few stadiums or whatever. That'd be pretty sick. Um, but yeah, I uh, I I feel like there shouldn't be a trouble with the NFL. But like even if they have to move back the season or like go to a shortened season, like they play through like the worst parts of like sports, like through the winter. So like like moving stuff back isn't going to like affect stuff about like through weather, you know what I mean? Like the MLB's right. got to be probably worried if they move back. They can't play games in the winter. Like that's that's pretty like like in the deep winter at least, you know, but the NFL does that <laughs> anyway. So it, there's like not an issue really moving it back if they need to do that. And they also want to like I, I saw something about them wanting to cut like the Pro Bowl and uh and wanting to like uh and to like make the Super Bowl on like February 28th or something like that. Like that's fine. Like no one watches yeah. the Pro Bowl. No like you don't need to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'd be into and- it. Yeah, I, I think if they do something like that or if they find, you know, OK, we can only play in domes at this time of the year, then I'm sure that you can restructure the schedule at that point. That won't be a huge hiccup in their their mm-hmm. um, scheduling conflicts. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, OK. Uh, oh, do you how do you care? Do you care anything about like no fans? Like, are, do you would you mind there being no fans or like? Is that something that you care about? Because I don't really give a shit. Like, fuck that. I don't really like going to games anyway. So. <laughs> I yeah I'm I'm on board with that too I don't really get why everyone like LeBron came out and was like well I can't play basketball without the fans I was like, well, yes you can it's like <laughs> yeah, it's wait, possible what? to do that yeah. um yeah and all these college coaches have been calling D1 college coaches have been coming out and like we we can't start mm-hmm. the season if there's going to be no fans like football mm-hmm. won't be the same and I, you know, I understand, like, I understand that I get that there's so much passion that's behind some of these fan bases and these right. teams that they're, but we're in a completely unprecedented, unprecedented situation that you're going to have to make adjustments. And if there are going to be no fans to be able to play football and, you know, make the money that you're there to earn, mm-hmm. uh, I think you'll be okay playing without people in the stands. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Making some kind of money is better than nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next topic I have. So do you have like any opinions on who won or lost the offseason? Um, you know, we, we could go with the draft included now that that's settled, or you can just go with like the free agent signings, however you feel this is the most appropriate. Plenty, plenty of opinions. Um, Good, let's hear them. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of like get up in the morning with Mike Greenberg. So okay. they constantly are talking about um, you know, the Dolphins and Tua and, uh, you know, Jer- Joe Burrow and all these sh- crappy teams that are re-upping. Um, but most of those teams aren't going to be much of anything for the next year or so, at least. Um, so some of the, the ones that I felt got a lot out of the draft and out of free agency were, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys were a big one for me. 
you have your core group coming back. You add a guy like CeeDee Lamb, who is just an absolute uh, baller, such a speedy wide receiver, strong, powerful, is going to be able to add such a compliment to um, Amari Cooper there. They they needed another pa- passing compliment for him to help Dak Prescott. And, I mean, you're bringing in someone like that. You're going to just be you know, more powerful than you were the year before. Mm-hmm. Um I think another really big one that I'm sad to say is uh, the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> they did a lot of really good things for their offense to help uh, Josh Allen just be a little bit more productive, uh, just give him more weapons. You know, they had such a such a stacked defense last year that that's what helped them get to a playoff position and really challenge the Patriots for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. And you know, you add Stephon Diggs, and now you you're just getting an, an absolute monster of a wide receiver (laughs) i remember like the first year when he blew up from a fantasy perspective was you know i snuck him late in the draft and he was Mm -hmm. a huge part of my fantasy football team so i've always been following him a big fan of stefan diggs and unhappy that he's in my division now but uh, (laughs) he's for sure gonna help that offense be a lot a lot better especially and then just complement with that that defense they got and then they add a guy like like uh, like Fromm to 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 back up Joe uh, Josh Allen. So, you know, if injuries ever happen, they have another option. But also from a standpoint of you're you're actually having someone who will challenge Allen to continue to get better. Um, there, there's been a, a few of those. I can obviously talk about Love going to Green Bay and uh, Hertz going to the Eagles. They, there's been some draft pieces that are going to push the starters now to be better. And so the bills are just going to get better from that standpoint too. Um, do, do you think, do you think like ha- having a, a quarterback that's, you know, drafted highly or has this stuff pushes quarterbacks to be better. Do you think that's a thing? I- I'm curious. Cause I don't, I don't really know. I haven't really thought about that too much, but yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? Um, so this kind of gets into, I'm a, I have a PhD in sports psychology. Okay, cool. Uh, so <laughs> big, a big background on how, performance uh and the mind kind of affects that performance so you know from a standpoint of you know these quarterbacks are put into situations and you get into a comfort for especially for like a guy like Aaron Rodgers you get into a comfortable environment of I am the starter and no one's going to take that away from me okay well we draft someone behind you who he might not take it from you right now but he's there so now he's in the back of your mind of all right I have to be on my game a little bit more than I might have. And it might be subconsciously he's, he's having these thoughts or Mm -hmm. no outright like, okay, well now I need to show them that I am the better quarterback. Um, You could see that with Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo where Mm -hmm. when Garoppolo came in, Brady really started to have another elevation in his performance. So Mm -hmm. I think it is a factor for some of these guys. They're also at such an elite level that they, they're, it could also be that they could give two craps about it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I for sure think that you bring in a guy in, it's going to challenge them um, to work harder, especially if they collaborate in a way like Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Brees did. They both improved. Um, and then Teddy got a, his opportunity to show his his talent too in that situation. Um, so yeah, I, I I definitely think it would allow okay. that. Yeah. Allow them. I'm not going to argue with your PhD. That's fair. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I don't have enough psychological 
uh, or I haven't taken the psych classes to say that. I, I was I went to school to be like a history teacher, so I took like a few, but yeah, nowhere near the uh, the knowledge of the field. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. So you also well, you mentioned Dallas. I think had a pretty good off season. I like their draft a lot. Um. I was definitely very happy with their draft. Um. They they went like the BPA, um, route. And I've spoken on this a few times. I'm not a huge CD Lamb fan. Um. I don't know if his skill set is going to translate well to the NFL. Just because I think his ability to make guys look silly in the Big Twelve just isn't going to be the same in the NFL. Um, but he 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 can be more of a, or he is more of a receiver than that. Like he was really good on downfield passes, I believe. Um, from PFF, I think he was like thirty five or something like that, and he had like a really good grade on that, which is you know good to see. But also, I think the fact that he landed on Dallas is really helpful, just because he's going to fit really well into the Randall Cobb role. Uh, so I'm I'm into him on that, but. You know, the other the other picks are just like BPA and there. There's something I'm very into, you know, guys yeah. like Bradley and I and Gallimore and Diggs. They're all pretty valuable picks, I think. So happy for them. Yeah, on that. So yeah. Do you from from a CD lamb perspective, like like you're saying, you, br- you bring him in as somebody to compliment Cooper and be that that number two or number three guy, um, you know, if he's in that situation, he's not going to see as much of the coverage that he you know, could have if he went to a team where he's going to be their number one. So wouldn't he still be someone who could have a good productive career in that process? Or do you think, no, it, it still won't translate? No, I, th- I think I think this is perfect for him. Yes, I, I, I would agree that. I'm sorry, I said no and then yes. Yeah, so I, yeah. I think this is a perfect landing spot for him. Sorry, I do that shit like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I think this is a perfect landing spot for him. If he went somewhere else where he had to be the number one guy, this would be a lot worse. Um, I, I ended up watching a lot of film um, of Byron Jones uh, for like free agency just to yeah. like see you know where guys were. And I ended up watching like a lot of Dallas film, obviously. I mean, they also were possibly going to let go of Cooper, so I had to watch a lot of offense for that too. Um, Watching Randall Cobb when he played, he's like a pretty integral part of Dallas's offense so getting a younger guy who is i think probably better at this point in their careers than the randall cobb although randall cobb's only 29 he's not he's not dead yet um i i think just the fact um that they use a guy like under so much like randall cobb when he was healthy and when he played um if cd lamb's able to replicate that kind of production or be even better than cobb was he'll, he'll have a lot of success there for for a long time because i mean dak has locked up and amari's locked up for a while right and um the other gallup is i think he was a sophomore last year i think Mm-hmm. Or he might have been a rookie. I forget. But he, yeah. he's pretty young, so he's still in a rookie deal. So they've got the offensive pieces in there for a long time. Um, I think he just landed in a perfect spot. Like I would have been way more down on him if he didn't land on Dallas. That that's that's my spiel for sure. As as long as Dak is actually tied up and he doesn't walk away after sure. this year. Um, but yeah, I I think they're they'll they're in a prime position to uh, push for that uh, mm-hmm. NFC, NFC East. Hopefully, it isn't a absolute nightmare like it was this past year where they were all terrible but (laughs) um (laughs) i think they they're definitely in a good position to push for that and i the only other team that i had that i was really focused on is obviously tampa bay being you know with everything that they've done with obviously with brady and now gronkowski going there they're adding pieces to an already very productive offense that already they already had a solid defense um, they added some good pieces, one to protect Brady, to provide him some off- some offensive perspectives as well, and then fill some other holes on defense. So they'll be interesting to watch for sure. Um, you know, I don't hate Brady or Gronk for going there. I understand it. I'm never going to take any of that away from them for what they did for the Patriots. So, you know, I'll be rooting for them until we have to face them at some point. 
Yeah, I, I, I get that. I think they had a really good offseason, too, mostly because they didn't sign guys like Shaq Barrett to long-term deals. Um, They kept a lot of their defensive talent. And, I mean, they they had a really good draft. Their first two picks, Um, I think it was Tristan Wirfs went to them, right? And then um, they had—I just want to make sure I'm not lying here. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it was Wirfs at, at was it 15 or 12 or something like that? And then they also got— God, I want to pull up. Yep, Tristan Worse and then Antoine Winfield Jr. Yep, those are the two really good picks. Yeah. I love that about them. Um, they really only needed on their defense, besides bringing in young talent. You know, they have a lot of older players, at least um, on the interior. Um, but bringing in guys to help their secondary was a must. And bringing guys in to help their line is also a must because they're set, you know, offensively besides running back. But I don't think running back is that important anyway. So you can fuck <laughs> around with that and it's fine. They have like three good tight ends too. So more yeah. than makes up for having a, uh, for the lack of running back talent, I think. Um, so yeah, I think they are, they're in a really good spot, but that division, the NFC South is so tough. I still think Atlanta is good. Their offense has been good for years. Their defense just hasn't put it together. And, you know, they spent draft capital on, on defensive players this year. So we'll see how that goes, but you can't count. I don't think you can count any team out in that division. So it's going to be tough for them and tough for Tom, I think, but uh, I'm looking forward to see Brady without Belichick and vice versa. So that, that's what I'm really interested in like yeah. a lot this year. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's been the conversation for, you know, for years now. And to finally have the opportunity to really see, okay, are both of them as great as they have been because of who they are individually? Or is it that combination of the two or was one pushing the other? So it is going to be quite wild because both are in situations right now where, you know, they're in both really tough conferences where there's going to be an immediate challenger for them that they're not going to just waltz through like they have been the past 20 years. Right. Uh, so it's yeah, going to be exactly. fun to see who kind of takes control of that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I pretty much agree with your assessments. Otherwise, I think, uh, I mean, I had the Cardinals as a winner as well. Um, yeah. Yep. You know, they, they acquired Hopkins. So um, that's, that's pretty huge for them, I think. But they didn't improve their defense nearly as much as I'd like them to. So I get not... Um, like not having them be, you know, the best players or the, the best thing, but they fly on the radar so much. Like even them getting Hopkins, I felt like, yeah, like yeah, until you said that, I wouldn't have even remembered. And <laughs> just because they're they're just kind of out there on their own in that mm-hmm. ra- random area. Who, yeah, no. who's who's your team? Oh, I'm a Jaguars fan. Jaguars. Yeah, I'm, I'm out okay. there too. Fucking weird as shit. I grew up in New York, <laughs> uh, the New York area, and I'm um I'm a Celtics fan. I'm a Jaguars fan. I'm a I'm a Golden Knights fan, and I'm uh, uh, a Mets fan because my mom, my mom's one of the biggest Mets fans I know, so I had to uh, had to take on the Mets. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was saying before, yeah, the only, Celtics are the only thing that bring me joy, dude. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not even that big of a basketball fan anymore. I used to be when when Paul Pierce retired, basically my basketball knowledge kind of went out the door. Yeah. Um, yeah, so <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the Jaguars. If you want to talk about them, yeah. I, I I like what they did in the off season. To be to be fair, um, it was shedding a lot of talent like i'm not going to disagree with anyone there like they lost good players and they will probably have a worse record for it but if you're doing a rebuild i don't want to be seven and nine eight eight six and ten for like three years i want to be like two and 14 and then i want to make the playoffs the next two years like (laughs) like two years down the road you know i don't want to deal with like if i can be sad i've I've done it before look the jaguars picked in the top 10 for like eight years straight like i've been there before okay um but i don't want to i don't want to be stuck in mediocrity that that's bullshit and that sucks yeah, well, I don't understand how you go from a team that almost beats the Patriots in, was that the <sighs> AFC title game? Yes, it was. AFC title game to being absolute nonsense, so terrible um, the yeah, next I, year. 
So uh, the Jaguars 2017 team was historically lucky with the with no injuries. They had basically no injuries all year. Um, their defense still played really well in 2008, but they didn't ha- they didn't have the full squad there the whole time. So that definitely had it. and Bortles imploded. We lost right. Allen Robinson, um, who, who didn't play in 2017 because he got injured in the first week. But um, Bortles didn't have anyone to throw with. The offensive line looked worst. He just we couldn't mask how bad Bortles was with the defense. And then after that, it kind of got blown up. And you've seen stuff come out, I- I'm sure, about like how you know 25% of grievances were filed against the Jaguars uh, out of all the player uh, grievances filed. Fi- excuse me, all the grievances <laughs> filed to the Players Association. Um, Tom Coughlin was pretty despotic and like overarching, and he fined. Um, Fowler like 900k or something like that Um, it it, it just it was a really toxic environment I'm very surprised Caldwell is still there I'm very surprised Marone is there but it seemed like they were blaming everything on Coughlin and they just cut him and then you know they're they're just shedding talent now and that that's where we are with the team Um, yeah so uh, (laughs) it's interesting because it's a combination of things for sure the the ownership group is the same owners that uh own my favorite soccer team uh, oh fc fullerton Fullerton? yeah fulham yeah and so so like i i know i know the inner kind of the inner workings (laughs) of what they do and how they go about their business but it's interesting because they've thrown a lot of money at fulham and the players that they bring in so i'm surprised that they haven't found a similar balance of bringing in top guys at the mm-hmm. Jaguars too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um I mean they, they they were splashy in free agency like a few years ago, but they're just dealing with like they were splashy because they kind of not backloaded the contracts even, but you know, those guys were like you know, guys like Bouye were like kind of like one-hit wonders. Um Marcel Darius hasn't been healthy for like a year. Um Calais Campbell was the best signing they did there, but you know, these are big contracts that we don't need anymore, so I think while they did probably end up throwing like a decent amount of money there, the contracts just aren't worth anymore. So they, yeah. they got rid of them. I like their coordinating group that they brought in. They brought in Jake Gruden, who I'm a pretty big fan of. Um, they let go of Filippo, but that was in, in last year, and I wasn't a fan of his uh, style. I mean, if they get rid of Marone next year, which I think is plenty possible if they want to draft, um, I don't know, if, if we get like the number one pick and we, get, we go after Trevor Lawrence or we move yeah. on from Gardner Minshew, um, we'll definitely move on from Marone. So I, I don't know. I mean, Khan seems to be very patient with the uh, the head coach. Like, we had Gus Bradley for five years, and he never had a winning record. We were always rebuilding, so um, he, he had a pretty long leash. So I guess this is just the same for Marone, which I think yeah. is fine in certain circumstances. Like, it's good to have—you um, don't want to be the Browns, right, and have a new head coach every year? Because mm-hmm. how, how are you going to—like, like they ruined Brady Quinn. Like, they ruined guys by having, like, a million different uh, coordinators and and, uh, and head coaches. So at least we're not doing that. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point, and— you know, at some point it'll click. They just need to find the right combinations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have any uh, teams that were like losers so far? Um, I don't, you know what? I didn't really go into more of who was uh, sure. who lost the stuff, but yeah. Um, I mean, I know Green Bay is the one that everyone's talking about. Uh, they, you know, you don't draft a, a wide receiver for your your legendary quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something definitely going on there that they're they're not on the same page and um you know i just i don't really get i don't get the the love pick i i get oh we can talk trying. about that yeah let's <laughs> talk about that no we can talk I about that for sure i don't get the love pick i don't really understand why you move up to get a guy who's probably going to be there in the second round um where you could have moved up and taken a wide receiver at that point you could have moved up and taken something else um so 
like I'm, I, they, there, there must be something going on there that, you know, the new coach is really just trying to turn the page and he's going to, you know, allow Rogers to be the guy until his contract runs out. But I, I just don't know what they're doing up in green Bay. Um, I, 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 so I like the love pick. Um, I was a pretty big fan of that. Um, he was my third best quarterback in the draft. Um, I don't like Herbert. I think he's he's got way too too much downside. Um, and I wasn't really a fan of like Jacob Beeson or, or or Jacob Fromm in front of a uh, in front of Love. Love has just a lot of tools, and he needs to sit. Um, he reminds me of Patrick Mahomes. I know that's an oft com- or an oft noted com- comparison. People have said it a lot of times, and I, I think yeah. it's pretty true. Um, Mahomes got to sit for a year. I think the Packers are doing something that no other team seems to catch on to. But you know, they had Aaron Rodgers sit behind Brett Favre for four years or three years or however long it was. They can have Love sit behind Rodgers for two years before he starts. It it just makes a lot of sense if you're getting good quarterback play to take them early and take them when you know when you have guys that you can develop them behind. Like I don't I don't really care that they took a, a quarterback here because if they have good quarterback play for the next fifteen years, no one's going to complain about it. Just the same way that people are complaining about how Rodgers wasn't getting the start with Favre there and how he wasn't developing, how it wasn't happening. But then when he came on, he was amazing. I think a very similar situation could happen here. Um. So I'm pretty into it. And I think this must signal to people, and I know a lot of fans especially, and, and people like me who are like, you know, novice analysts and shit like that are like, I, they don't have, like, their wide receiver group isn't good. Like, they're bad. Like, they need to get a wide receiver for sure. But I, I just feels like the Packers not taking a wide receiver signals to me that they're comfortable with their wide receiving group. Like, they know that they're, they're a contender. Their defense is stacked. They brought in a lot of guys in free agency last year. They have young guys still under contract. Um, and I just think that if they didn't take a wide receiver. They took a running back over a wide receiver. Like, like, goddamn, they must be comfortable with the wide receiving room. And Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So they have one guy there, right? I know yeah. Rodgers was throwing to like a bunch of undrafted free agents. Sure. But one of those guys was Alan Lazard and he is actually a good player. He, he was signed by the Jaguars. He was, um, mm. like touted as being one of the best U- UDFAs out there. And I think he played fine last year. He needs time to develop. That's why he wasn't a draft pick. But I think going into the year, I think they're pretty comfortable with the guys they have. I don't think it was like any kind of like weird spite or something like that, or like weird decision making that people think it was. <laughs> that you know how fans are. We all know how they yeah. are. They're like, they hate Aaron Rodgers. Like it's the worst thing ever. It's like I think they're just trying to win still, right? Like they must be doing something. Um so yeah, look, I mean I, God. Yeah, you can go. Ahead. I, you're no, I think you're 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 on point there. It's a fair you know, assessment of they they've had this plan where they've done it before. It's worked. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of love in himself as a quarterback. I think mm-hmm. he's a great he's going to be a great quarterback. I wanted the Patriots to take him. Uh, yeah, I wanted too, them honestly, yeah. when, <laughs> when they moved out of that spot. I was like, yeah, damn it. They're not gonna, they're not going to get him now. Um, so I I like the guy. I like who he could become. I just, I don't, I didn't understand why you had to move up for him where he wasn't really being um, predicted to go in the first round. They would have been able to get him maybe early in the second, but I guess they, they, I mean, they have more Intel than I have. I have zero Intel. (laughs) So no, Um, that's fine. Yeah, I get that. But, Um, but you're right. I think, you know, the guys they have, they, they must like They I feel like they could have gotten maybe one more, big wide receiver piece either in free agency or in this draft and um but they're still gonna i mean they're still gonna be green bay they're still gonna be great for the next two three years and then if if love turns into whoever who we think he's going to then they're gonna Mm -hmm. like you said be great for 15 more yeah i think that's i think that's worth it but um yeah i mean like i get it this is a historically good wide receiving class and like i a lot of the the two guys that went the first two picks of the second round are, are going to be studs. So like there were guys there for them to take. And I probably would have liked them to take a wide receiver because it does feel like a position of weakness. But 
I was also pretty enamored with love, and I guess Packers ownership was too. So you got to go with that, I, I guess. You can't let guys. You got to go for your guy, especially when it comes to quarterback. Like I'm not going to ever really lambast teams for taking quarterbacks because it, they're so hard to judge. It's like impossible to predict these guys coming out of college. And if they like a guy, go for it and do it. I'm not going to yell at you too much about it. Um, until they yeah. start to suck and they're Blake Bortles or Blaine Gabbert, then I'll yell at you <laughs> for sure. Because you fucked up twice in a row with top ten picks and you're the worst franchise ever. <laughs> what anyway? Uh, do we have to talk about this anymore? Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's um. Um, let's, did you want to say anything specific about the draft before we get into Patriots talk or was there any like surprises that you thought, um, like happened or, or any, any specific drafts that you thought were good outside of free agency? Um, I mean, the, the love, the love move was definitely a big shock for me mm-hmm. that they moved up and got him. Um, I, I thought it was pretty straightforward for what teams were looking for outside of that. Um, and then it was just, you know, from a draft experience standpoint, and it's something that I always watch every single year. And I wouldn't be surprised if coaches and teams would be pushing for this to be on the internet like this again in the future. Cause yeah. I feel like it was, I thought it ran on a much more smoother route uh, than having to wait. You know, you still had to wait an hour in between each pick in the first and second round, but right. uh, it seemed like it just moved in a better way. It made it more enjoyable instead of having to, you know, create this environment while there's also like a huge party going on <laughs> <laughs> while the draft yeah. is happening right. at the same time. So just itself, the experience just seemed a little bit more entertaining, even though it was, you know, remote and online and everything. Mm-hmm. I thought Goodell looked dead. <laughs> like after reading all those picks, I thought he was gonna pass the fuck out, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> it was funny. He starts standing and mm. he's you know all emotional with every pick, and then he just as the day goes on, he's like yeah. changing clothes. He's getting more comfortable. He's in his chair now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was not about it. Right. I'm. I'm surprised they didn't have more guests. Like normally, there are a lot of guests that read. Like especially day three picks, and they only had like what like it, it looked like um like a. They remember there was one woman there, and then one guy like a, an associate something like director of something. I feel like there were only three guys that read out draft picks all day. You, am I wrong or? No, I you're right. Like, you're definitely right? right. That they had, and it. You would think okay, like now we're in a remote situation where mm-hmm. someone who you know they tell us oh I can't make it because I can't make it because I have this. XYZ reason there's no reasons why you can't Skype in and for 10 seconds and do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It feels like it's almost easier, right. Than getting people to like come down there and like yeah. them figuring out like how to get them on stage and like, you know, hoping they don't like mess that stuff up, but like just doing it in, in their own house seems really easy. I know <laughs> it's, it was yeah, definitely it's odd for, for some reason you could for sure have brought <laughs> way more people in on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Let's go into some Patriots talk. That's why we're here, right? Let's do that. Um, right. So we talked about like some surprises. Let's see. Um, how did you feel about the Patriots offseason moves? Do you think they had a successful offseason? Just like in total, like including, including free agency lost and all that stuff. So if you're from New England and you're you know a fan of the Patriots, I think this answer will probably fit. If you're not, you'll probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But it was just a very <laughs> Patriots offseason. So... Like I'm used to this, like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna bring in a new quarterback. It's gonna be Cam Newton. It's gonna be they're gonna trade up and get Tua and they're gonna do this. And they trade out of the first round and they pick a division two safety. Uh it's just a very Patriotsy offseason. And for Dude, me, I 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I need to interrupt you because yeah, I totally agree. Like I literally wrote in my in my wrap up like this feels like the most Patriots draft ever. It's like defensive guys and like a safety out of a D2 school, like very weird shit, but like it's going to turn around and be really good. <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah. I if for me it's great. I, I think they did everything that they wanted to do. They didn't fall into the trap of like we need to do something huge because we just lost, you know, the greatest of all time. We need to change what we've been doing now, it's, you know, you go into the draft, you load mm-hmm. up on as many picks as you can, you take the guys that you want to be able to fit into these positions. You know, this Duggar guy, he sounds like he's going to be a great addition. He sounds phenomenal. You know, it doesn't matter if he played D2. You know, Danny Woodhead was a another big guy that they, uh, that came out of the draft. Uh, I forget if he was undrafted or if he was drafted as, out of D2, but, uh, you know, a guy who's like that, who comes in and is just a stud. Um, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you have those attributes, they know how to find those players. Um, you know, they they did the big thing. They they signed, you re-signed McCourty. You know, you let the good people go. That's part of the Patriots way, too. You know, from Lawyer Malloy to Richard Seymour. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been a way that goes about it, and it's not a big deal, honestly. You, you sign a bunch of no-names. Uh, you draft a ton on defense, and you bring in 15 undrafted free agents, and you know that's what the Patriots do. So, honestly, I think it was, you know, great for the circumstances they had to deal with, uh, you know, in, in regards to Brady and everything. Uh, they made the smart, cheap moves on defense. It also, I don't know if this is official or not, but it sounds like they're bringing in Marquise Lee uh, as another yeah, wide receiving option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be. <laughs> I was going to say you should know all about him. Yeah. Um, oh, I I'm sure they'll find a way to make him phenomenal now though, that he's a Patriot. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's coming in another cheap option. There's still rumors out there that they could be trading for OJ Howard, um, which is mm-hmm. the big one that's been kind of running through uh, the, the radio waves over here. And I've been, a, I want, you... oh, sorry, good. I've been I, a huge I... fan of him. Um, yeah. Ahead, I like OJ Howard a lot too. Yeah, I like OJ Howard a lot. Do you think um, do you think that that would have already been done since they gave Gronk away to or they traded? I'm sorry, not gave him away. They traded Gronk to to uh, the Buccaneers. Like I feel like that would have already happened if they like just did like a Gronk for um for him like straight up, right? That's what I when the, when the Gronk deal happened. My buddy texted me and he was like, you know, Gronk just you know came out of retirement. He's going to Tampa, and I was like, well, Howard better be coming back in that deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I am surprised that it wasn't a part of that, and I'm I'm unsure why these rumors keep swirling that it's still <laughs> happening. Um, uh, but you know, there's they have, like you said, they have like three wide receivers. They have Brait, Gronk, and now OJ Howard. They're gonna have to move one of them. I don't know yeah. why you would ca- carry three of that quality where you could trade OJ, you get some decent you know return for him because he's still young, he still has upside. And he's, you know, a, he's a Patriot guy because he fits that, you know, the Alabama mold of bringing those guys in. So, yeah, um, I also, you know, they might even go out and trade for a wide receiver at this point still, too. They, mm-hmm. they tend to do that pretty late after the draft. So okay. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they bring in another offensive weapon. Uh, but they could be done. And who knows what these uh, undrafted free agents, they usually find at least one or two out of that group that end up being you know a big time con- contributor uh oh another another big signing that uh will no one will care about but uh james devlin just retired so I, 
supporting. Yes. I think the, you know they bring in Fatale from the Packers to fill that role uh, at fullback, and <clears throat> that was a big issue this past season when when Devlin got hurt. The offense just complete, not completely, but it was not the same without him in there. He's a big piece of their, um, you know, their run pass option issues there. So uh, without him, it was a big issue. So now bringing in Vitaly, who's another proven fullback, he's going to be a big piece of, of what they do next year and moving forward. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm going to probably agree with you on the, the uh, New England draft pick stuff. Like I, I think they had a pretty Patriots draft taking two tight ends um, that I wasn't huge fans of when I think there were better guys who went later was kind of suspect, but I, I, I can't really say too much with Bill. <laughs> I, I trust him. I think he's one of the best, one of the best GMs probably in the history of football, or at least my history of like watching football. He's probably one of the best GMs. Um, so I, I, I trust him enough, especially in the draft, as long as he's not drafting wide receivers um, in the yeah. first round. I trust him, I think, or position players in the first round. I think the last two years so far can uh, can tell us that. But yeah, um, I loved Uchi. He was a really good pick. Um, I mean, they, they got a kicker now, so I'm expecting him to be the top kicker. Uh, the comp- he's going to be kicker, He's right? going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, as long as he gets rid of that tattoo, I'll be okay with it. Um, uh, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kids are dumb, but that was a little, was a little yeah. weird. Um. Yeah, so I mean, I, I like the draft, but um, the free agency stuff. I thought the Patriots massively sw- uh, struck out, losing Kyle Van Noy, Brady, Jimmy Collins, Danny Shelton. All feels like really like massive losses to this team. Um, just because I, I, I mean, I, you know, two of them went to New England's uh, North, but um, I just I feel like they had a really good defense last year, and I'm sure they have guys to step up, and they got guys in the draft to help replace um the guys they lost. Um, especially like Nye, which or I'm sorry, is it wasn't it Nye? No, oh, I'm sorry, Uchi, Josh Uchi. Uchi. Yeah, yeah, Uchi, I like a lot. He he can he can be like an outside linebacker or a defensive end. He's he's definitely a hybrid guy like that. Um, so that's fine. Like I I like that. Um, but I think they lost some serious pieces on defense. And when I was writing like my articles for free agency or when I was going through free agency stuff, yeah, I didn't like the quarterback room, and I'm not sure I like the quarterback room anymore now. So, um, yeah. I just feel like the Patriots definitely took a step back in the off season. So, again, like, if you're not, you know, from the area and you're not used to this nonsense, like, you just got to trust. You got to trust in the process. You got to trust what Bill's mm-hmm. doing. Um, you know, J- they've let Jamie Collins go before. Yes, uh, they have. Yeah. Kyle, I think him Kyle exiled him, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, make it to uh, Cleveland. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, I think, is for sure a huge loss. I think he's been one of the most underrated defenders in the whole league, and he was a huge piece of the puzzle for them the past few years. So I think losing him for sure is a big one. Um, But, you know, Danny Shelton and Collins, it's, you know, next man up, there's going to be someone behind them. Um, And then for me, with the draft picks, uh, same thing with you, you know, the defensive guys they bring in are going to be, they always pick, really good defender so they know what they're doing there uh the ucla tight end though i i don't want to throw money on this i'm not a betting guy but um i think he is going to be a pretty decent tight end for them he just fits that mold of you know athletic huge he can block he can do the dirty things but he can also catch really well uh and they haven't had someone who has that you know, you know, they missed that last year with Gronkowski. I think he's going to be the guy in the in the red zone who could get, you know, anywhere between five and, you know, eight to ten touchdowns. Hey, man, I love it. Call your shot, dude. I'm very into that on this podcast. I try <laughs> and call my shots a lot as best I can. Um, 
but yeah, um, they they do need offensive weapons. I, I I you can't really be out on like Nikhil Harry. He barely played last year, right? I mean, he started yeah. I think on the pup, right? So, yeah. you know, you can't really grade that out. Um, Sanu is an okay receiver. I don't think they should have given up a second round pick for him, but I don't think a lot of people thought that was that was prudent even at the time. Um, Marquis Lee is a project for sure. They've been able to turn projects around, but they've also you know had guys slip through their fingers. I think. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I guess looking from an outside perspective, you're right. I, I am an outsider for sure. <laughs> I was just not, not, not really a fan. Um, yeah. I mean, they have a lot of guys that are the same mold of, you know, Edelman, Sanu, and now this tight end, they're all going to run in the middle of the field. They, they haven't had a guy who goes, you know, big and opens up the field since Moss. Mm-hmm. And so they're definitely hoping that Harry is going to be that guy, uh, you know, it, we'll, we'll have to see on that. I think he has, he, they were talking big about him last year and like leading into the, the regular season. So hopefully he is healthy and um, ready to go. But you, for sure, they're, they're going to need to find someone to open up the fields, you know, downfield at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you, you definitely need that for, for a solid passing attack. Do you think they'll keep like the same offense? I mean, going forward? Without Brady, you know, he seemed like, you know, the offense flowed through him and his genius, because yeah, I call him a genius, he is. Yeah. <laughs> no, and so, you know, for your, making the thought of, you know, the QB room and who you have going there, mm-hmm. I think it actually ties more into, you know, McDaniels and what he's going to create. Mm-hmm. So he's going to create something that fits Stidham or Hoyer or the Louisiana Tech quarterback, whoever ends up being the starter. Um he's going to find a way to make them comfortable and fit the offense around what their strengths are. So, uh, you know, it might not be the quick checkdowns anymore. You know, I don't, I, I haven't watched a lot of film on Sidham. just, you know, the, when he was coming out of the draft, I watched draft Academy when uh, he mm-hmm. was on that too. Uh, yeah. And seeing him in that. So, you know, if he can, you know, open the field up more then maybe they'll go back to, to, playing the, the long ball a little bit more like they were doing when when moss was around mm-hmm. um he's, mcdaniels is gonna find he's just the creator he's the mastermind on that offensive side he will find a way to make the offense fit whoever the quarterback is and mm-hmm. uh, he'll make it fit uh for the running backs and everything too and it, it, i wouldn't be surprised if it looks pretty similar of those quick dump passes and uh passes over the middle to edelman but you never know. They they could find another you know little wiggle, another wiggle that they think could fit better for Stidham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, do you, so are are you comfortable with the room? Do you think Stidham is the quarterback? I mean, they brought back Hoyer. I mean, they've done weirder things with Matt Castle, right? Like uh, I mean, ten years ago probably. So I mean, bringing in a veteran guy. I I don't know. Is that is that something you think will happen? Do you think Castle? I'm oh, no, sorry, not Castle. Hoyer Hoyer will get the start. Uh, the only way I think Hoyer gets to start if Stidham is just a complete imbecile and cannot learn the playbook, mm-hmm. uh, I th- which I don't foresee happening. I think St- it's Stidham's job. I think they're really showing that it is his job by not bringing in a big guy or not drafting somebody. So mm-hmm. I I think they're going to go in the year with him. There, you know, there's the rumor keeps coming around with Cam Newton. Where is he going to go? Mm-hmm. Will the Patriots bring him in on some like really cheap contract like they always do and give him that shot to earn his, you know, earn his paycheck? You know, I've been back and forth on him on would I want him or would I not want him? I've kind of landed on I I just don't see the value in bringing him in at this point. 
Uh, I think there's clear there's a clear perspective that they are going with Stidham. Um, they're not going to go get Andy Dalton. I don't think they're going to sign yeah. Cam Newton. Here's another guy I was going to bring up. Yeah, Dalton. Yeah. yeah. I don't see him coming in as you bring him in and, you know, it's a huge step back from Brady. It's, you know, he's getting older as well, you know, at least with Cam Newton. Yeah, I know he's, you know, really injury prone, but he's still pretty young. Um, and then the big conversation piece is, you know, will Bill O'Brien screw up enough in, in uh, Houston <laughs> and let Sean Watson walk away and we'll oh, wow. either trade for him or something and they'll mm-hmm. do another stupid trade like he just let Hopkins <laughs> go um, you know by not this year but maybe next year so I'm comfortable with Stidham I trust what they're doing McDaniels will make it work and uh, and then I'm sure that I'll be wrong and they'll you know trade for somebody <laughs> at the last minute <laughs> yeah um yeah, I just I, I I personally wouldn't feel too comfortable with, with the QB room. Um, I did watch some Jared Sinem film today. It was preseason film, so um, I mean, I think he was playing third string a lot, even so, or second string, but like they didn't play the first stringers right. And the, I watched like the first few games, so, um, yeah, I mean, he uh looked okay. Um, it's hard to judge with the lower level of competition. He seemed like he made some pretty good reads. Um, he was using his feet a lot, which is something I haven't seen from a New England quarterback in ten thousand years. So. Um, that was interesting to see. I, I, I don't know. I just, I felt like Bill, and I think something came out recently. There was a story about how they didn't plan to not take a quarterback. It just happened that way. seems yeah. kind of reckless. I don't know. It seems like there might be a little bit of huber, hubris going on with Bill. Um, you know, he is the guy, obviously, like he's been running the show basically himself, right? The whole, you know, the whole time he's been, he's been there. I, I think maybe not the whole time he's been there, but at least for the past, yeah. like, you know, 20, basically, 15 years. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. I um I mean I worry that there is this kind of over to confidence thing I'm um, going on there but you know I I trust him enough uh, as you obviously do and as as Patriots fans should do because he's you know proved it time and time again um do you think that they should have let uh, Jimmy G go no I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was ridiculous it's ridiculous in the thought process of you know what was potentially going on behind the scenes of you know Bill wanted Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Brady wanted to play another five years and Kraft mm-hmm. wanted to make Brady happy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you make this just without a whim, you know, on a whim trade just because you need to make one guy happy. Mm-hmm. It was very against, so it's against this Patriot way of, um, you know, doing what's best for the group. And, you know, I understand, like, I, I understand it because it's Brady. He was the goat. He's the greatest of all time. You know, he's, like, you know, a guy that has done everything for the organization and, you know, the fact that he's taken less money and he's constantly, you know, trying to get players in to help the team improve. Uh, so I get it why he was, you know, trying to still fight for his position. He, was, he ended up winning another Super Bowl after this happened. Right, uh, yeah. So, it, I mean, it's worth what happened. Mm-hmm. But I think I it's ridiculous that they got only that that second round pick when I think, you know, earlier in that year in the draft, they could have traded him for like everything you know, to <laughs> yeah, the Browns. Right. Right. They could have gotten everything for him there. So if, if it's in their thought process of, you know, Brady's going to still be here. He wants to still be here. We need to make the decision. Yes. We're going to go with him and let's get a lot for the prize piece that we have, or let's, 
you know, make the decision that, you know, Jimmy, we want you to be here and we're going to move on from Brady at some point, which they, they have done now. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to go back and say, you know, we could have done it this way. We should have done it this way, but it'd be nice to have Jimmy G right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, you probably would have, you and you would have had to sign him to a deal, right? Do you think that would have been worth it? It probably wouldn't have been like a major contract, but maybe something even in the lines of like a Teddy Bridgewater, probably less, probably like 15 a year or like even like 12 a year. Do you think that would have been worth it if they had to hold on to him? Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to think when we made that deal and then like, who did we have? on the roster that help us win the Super Bowl. I'm trying to mm-hmm. think like could we not have had whoever that person right. was? Uh that's very possible. So that if we mm-hmm. sign him to that money, you don't have that money to use on mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can't even think of who who was someone yeah. who came in for like one <laughs> yeah. year. Uh, right. So that there was probably someone there that we would not have been able to bring in. So mm-hmm. you know, I get from the financial standpoint you can't put the money towards you know, a backup quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although it seems so, like teams are using draft capital to have backup quarterbacks now too. I know. So I don't even and, know. Maybe the league's changing. <laughs> I know. So it's, you know, if this was happening now, I'd say, yeah, pay the guy. There's no way mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Uh, but mm-hmm. back, you know, what was that? Three, four years ago. Uh, yeah. Probably not worth it. And then, yeah, we still get we get a Super Bowl or two out of it too, so it's right. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would take the Super Bowls over the possibility of having a, a a good quarterback. Maybe even I don't know for like the next three years. I I, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. Um, do you mind if I I ask about your your background in sports? Um, like psychology. Sure, if yeah. you wouldn't mind sh- sharing like anything about that. So how did you like get started in that? Is that like a an option in college that you can do? I don't even know. Like, yeah. So I. I fell in love with it when I was an undergrad. Uh, I read a, a book. It's called Mind Gym by Gary Mack. It's kind of the first sports psych book that I that I got into. Mm-hmm. Took a course in it uh, at my undergrad, and then I was like, "All right, so uh, you know, I really into sports, really into the mind, really into sports performance from you know like PT, strength conditioning, all that stuff too." Mm-hmm. Um, was not as good of a student in the, you know, the uh, anatomy and physiology standpoint yeah. of it. So I was like, all right, let's focus more on the psychology standpoint. Uh, you know, I went, did my graduate work and just saw the value of top down training that, you know, NFL players are, are now doing this. I know that the Seahawks are huge into it. Uh, Michael Gervais is their sports psych uh, performance trainer, dude. Um mm-hmm. If you if there's some uh, interviews with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson talking about like mindfulness training and how that helps their attention in high pressure situations, uh, so there's just so much value to it because a lot of you know even elite players are training their bodies, they're training their sports specific skills, mm-hmm. but they're they're leaving everything up in their head up to chance and so if you're missing that final you know even one percent of your your performance training you're leaving so much on the table for what you could be and how you know how great you could be in those moments so the best players are doing it Uh, you know even lebron comes out with a commercial now about how i think it's like a, a, a specific app that you can use which honestly is a bunch of nonsense yeah I was gonna uh, you're, say. <laughs> just, you're just training yourself to be better at the app not at mm-hmm. you know 
paying attention. Um, so, but even still, he's, there's at least a more of a uh, focus on it. There's more of a discussion about it. It's it's really important, and there just needs to be. I think there just needs to be a little bit more info out about it for not just professional people, but you know, college athletes, high school youth athletes. So you're training it from the ground up from a young age. So when you are someone trying to go get a scholarship, if you're trying to become a professional athlete, you are providing yourself the best opportunity, the best training, and you're utilizing that mental side of your game to highlight all of the hard work you've been doing in the weight room and you know on the football field or whatever sport you're playing. Uh, you're making yourself be that best player every single time you're out on the field. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking about like mindfulness and stuff like that. That's like a, I mean, like, what does that entail for like a player just like kind of calming themselves down so they're ready for big moments or like, like, what is that? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Is that does that make yeah. sense? Or yeah, yeah. So mindfulness is being fully present in the moment uh, and not being judgmental of whatever's happening in that moment. So on a given day, second moment, you're having hundreds of thousands of thoughts go through your head. Uh, you know, even during this podcast or those who are listening to this <laughs> podcast and, you know, I said mindfulness and they're thinking, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> that mo- that thought, that moment is taking you away from listening to the podcast. And True, so yeah. <laughs> if you think about that in a, in a sport performance setting, you know, a wide receiver is lined up, ready to run his route. And as he's running his route, he sees, you know, a really, really attractive person in the stands. You know, he sees it out of the corner of his eye. Or that, would he sees... that would be me. That would be me easy. That'd be me easy, dude. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That half, that half second of him looking at that person in the stand, or more realistic, the the cornerback is talking shit to him, mm-hmm. and his focus goes to what the the cornerback is saying. That half second of okay, I missed the snap. I'm a half second behind. I'm not going to get to my spot in time. That is going to lead to potentially my quarterback getting sacked because I'm not open or, you know, this, this throw that's coming is going to get intercepted because the cornerback's going to step the route. So if you are training your attention and your focus through mindfulness, being present in your moment and not judging whatever experience happens, you are more capable of being, uh, on time being in that moment and performing at that most elite level. So it's not a lot of people see it as something of that is, you know, being calm, be relaxed, be confident. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not as much about those factors. It's about how are you utilizing your mind and your attention and your focus to put yourself in the right environment to be successful. Uh, Because, you know, you could be sick as a dog and still play your ass off. You know, I've been watching The Last Dance on Sundays with, you mm-hmm. know, the Bulls and Michael Jordan. That he had a game where he had the flu. He had an IV basically on the side, on the bench when he was in out of the game. And he put up, what, 60-something points and helped yeah. him win the game. So you don't have to feel good to perform good. You, mm-hmm. you can set yourself up to be an elite performer, even if everything that's going on internally isn't, uh, you know, at a hundred percent. Interesting. So you said you, you, were you saying you were a soccer coach or I'm sorry, you, you did a soccer podcast or is that all in time? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, all entwined. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. I have a soccer podcast. Um, huge soccer fan. I do a lot of you know tactical assessment on the podcast. It's again, it's the Patterns of Play podcast. You can listen to it on every streaming option out there. Uh, and it focuses on you know what are the elite teams around the world doing tactically, uh, and how they are being effective, and how and then I kind of assess. You know how the team that lost, how could they have adjusted to potentially get a, a result and get a win in, in the future? Uh, I also kind of sure. dive into just some you know historical pieces in soccer, and then I do some. In, I've been starting to do some interviews as well. Um, and then yeah, I, I coach. I've been coaching for ten years, uh, mostly at the college level, and currently uh, I'm the assistant coach at Williams College um, with the women's soccer program. Oh, that's awesome, dude. I I mean, I wasn't a very good soccer player, but I played up until high school. Um, just played like defense or whatever. That was a lot of fun. Um, I had to choose between that and baseball, though, and I chose baseball. Um, but I actually I had a I had a soccer player on the podcast before, too. He was uh, he was in college or whatever. It's it's still a really interesting sport for me. I don't get how like Americans don't like like soccer. It, it bothers me. <laughs> um, I'm sure it bothers you, too. <laughs> yeah, it, it drives me nuts. And it's, you know, the, my first I have doing this series right now about promotion and relegation in the united states and why the mls is so against it uh i think there's there's just so much there's just so much that people don't really respect about the game because oh they didn't score any goals like oh yeah i don't want to watch that and it's such a you know it's such an you know it's an invasion game you're trying to invade the opponent's you know defensive area to you know score goals or to create possession and create um you know scoring opportunities that if you really you know watch it and enjoy it you can see how meticulous and you know beautiful that the style of play is of particular teams and you know some people they don't enjoy it because it doesn't you know you don't get the actual satisfaction as much Mm -hmm. as you do in games where you're seeing scoring a lot but yeah, I, you know, that's, that's I, interesting, because, like, I, I feel like when, like, the, the task is, like, harder or, like, more earned, it feels way better. Like, if a goal, you know, what the average amount of goals scored is, what, like, two or three or something like that, um, it just yeah. feels really good when you, like, actually score one out of, like, the 90 minutes or however long it takes to score. At least personally, you know, that that's how I feel. And I hate basketball, especially the NBA, like, where it's just, like, <laughs> we we score, like, a billion points, and it's, like... The game, I mean, there's a, I have a lot of problems with basketball, mostly because, like, I feel like nothing matters until you get to the fourth quarter. But <laughs> anyway, um, sorry, go ahead. I, I just need to need to spiel that because I like soccer. I think it's really fun. Um, and, like, you're, you know, I don't want to use, like, war metaphors as much because it's not like war. But I always felt it's like a game of attrition. You know, you're really trying to, like, you know, win most of the little battles so that you can finally win, like, the big battle. And it, it feels very much like that with soccer. Yeah, it's there's just so much to it that's beyond, you know, scoring goals. And I mm-hmm. think if you can you can wrap your head around the, you know, find a team that is, you know, embodies what you love. So, you know, for me, it's a, a team that's really organized defensively and they exploit the the opponents through speed and through counterattacking uh, where, you know, some other people might love the, you know, the Barcelona style of they have the ball at all times and they're trying to break down defenses with that ball movement. And that's why it's so, you know, fun to watch with mm-hmm. that possession style. Uh, but then you also have teams that you're just full offense and they're just trying to go score as much as they possibly can. And mm-hmm. that can make for really entertaining games um, for how for how some of them are played. Some matchups are terrible because it's just two like defensive teams that just sit on top of the box for those 90 <laughs> minutes. And it's like, no, you have the ball. No, you have the ball. Uh, 
but you know most of the time you're finding a lot of really intricate unique styles that highlight not just the team itself but like the culture of where they're from too you know mm-hmm. countries they they play different styles you know german is more of that organized style versus mm-hmm. spain is that more free flowing possession style so wow, yeah i love it culture. And, holy shit yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that's really cool, man. I I didn't know anything about that. Um, and it's good that there's that kind of sports psychology like positions in like football teams. I feel like I really like, um, you know, when teams or you know find the best ways to win that aren't the normal ways or like the traditional ways. Like do everything you can to win, short of being huge cheaters. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't yeah. I didn't mean that as a diggy there. I don't a little dig there. Yeah, no. no, no, I swear, I swear. <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I really like that because I, I, you, you want to have the edge any way you can. Um, and, you know, h- half of the battle is in your mind, right? Like, like you were talking about, I think, like trying to be centered, but like also, you know, in a way that's a little more complicated than just like being like namaste, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. Um, was there anything else you want to talk about? Or I feel like we've gotten through a lot. No, this is great. I, you know, I appreciate you having me on and uh, I always love talking football whenever I can and. Uh, you know, not being able to really talk about it to anybody right now because you can't go anywhere. Uh, this was awesome. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you want to um, go ahead and like plug your stuff, your podcast again, go ahead and yeah, do that. Yeah, uh, Patterns of Play podcast, uh, soccer podcast. It is on all of the streaming options out there, Apple, Google, all the fun stuff, Spotify. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, feel free to reach me on Twitter. It is gmargo7, so G M A R. G-O, and then the number seven on Twitter. Uh, I think it's the same thing on Instagram, but who cares? And then <laughs> uh, email for the podcast is the pattern, or just patterns of play pod at gmail.com. Great. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on. I had a really good time. Yeah. Thank you very much. Awesome. All right. That's it for this episode of the Bacon Game Sports Pod. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And follow Jesse on Twitter at E-S-S-E-J-T-H-E-S-L.